Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there. This is the Beluga Tunes podcast. Andy here. Thanks so much for deciding to listen. Excuse me. For, for deciding to listen to this week's episode. Um, uh, I must just get my um, my notes up so I can tell you what's happening. <laughs> I always go through this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to try and get through this qu- quite quickly because I've got stuff to do immediately after this. Yeah, we should be alright. Um, I'm looking in the wrong folder. Wait a sec. <laughs> yeah, uh, I this, I talk about thirteen Rue Madeline. The old James Cagney film. You'll be able to, to hear my thoughts on that. Uh, there's a six minute shout out. Uh, you have to wait and see what that is. I, I never reveal, uh, I, I try to avoid revealing uh, the, the um, six minute shout outs ahead of time. Um, and it says here the really tricky, hard, difficult way. Um, what was that about? <laughs> something to do with my artwork. You'll find out. I, I, I have a bit of a, a lengthy talk about the stuff that I'm doing later on. All of that and more. So yeah, uh, it's time for Podflix, when I talk about a film every, every week. And like I said, 13 Rue Madeline, that's this week's. Uh, right now, you're going you're gonna to hear my thoughts on that film, followed by the announcement of Next week's film. Uh, yeah, so what could that be? Let's find out. Here, for the first time, some of the startling facts about 13 Rue Madeleine are disclosed. This is the story of the men who used it. Of other men who penetrated and destroyed it, and of the menace that was created within it. When Spy Chief Bob Sharkey finds out one of his agents in training is actually a Nazi double agent, his strategic decision not to arrest him results in tragedy. So this this was another old film. Uh, let's see, yeah, nineteen forty six. Um. And I think this might be the first James Cagney film I've ever seen. I'd, I'd definitely heard of him before. Um, but yeah, I uh, I noticed it had a bit of a documentary-type feel to it. I think... Let's see, it says here under storyline, documentary-style prologue follows training of OSS agents for World War One work behind enemy lines. So yeah... Um, I uh, I think this is based on a true story. Uh, I I actually I, I felt like I was watching a documentary for most of 
most of it. And I think later on, it started to occur to me maybe this isn't supposed to be because I, I I found myself thinking, was it common back then to to have like big stars to do kind of documentary film? Because uh, I, I I do sometimes find myself thinking because yeah I. I was, I, was, I was sort of challenged by this when I was studying film. I was asked the question, what is the difference between a film that, that is a documentary and a film that isn't a documentary? And I feel like I never could work that one out. Because all films tell a story, no matter how avant-garde they might go or whatever direction they might take to try and escape that there's always a story there it's just naturally that that's what a film is if 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 there's no story then there isn't a film um so yeah it it was it's always been very hard for me to wrap my my head around and yeah, so so this film definitely it, it got me thinking about that again um and I was thinking of examples like Nanook of the North. That is uh, a documentary that, that actually it looks rather like um, a, more, more of a kind of Hollywood type film, um, mainly because, um, again, because of the time that it was made, it looked very similar to non-documentaries of that time I might have to watch it again actually because it's been a long time since I watched it but I know that one is a documentary um, yeah and I think I, I always felt like documentary means you're capturing life you're you're kind of letting chaos take its toll but people do do that for other types of, of film that are, you know, aren't actually documentaries um, so I, I feel like that the story kind of comes out of kind of moments rather than written stories like you, you, I'm, not, I'm not saying that there's no writing that goes into documentaries so so yeah um by the way when i was watching this film i i did get very distracted i got very restless i did go on like facebook and all of that and I do try not to to get into that habit, but but again, I feel like that's a sign that this film didn't really grab me very much. And I think because I I spent most of the most of my time just thinking about that documentary thing. Yeah, and I I think it said at the beginning something about did it say that the um, some of the footage was was actually from World War One. I? I don't know. I, uh, and I mean, I, I actually I, I did not I did not follow it. I I I I, I actually remember there being a Nazi double agent. I I did not get invested. And again, I I I don't want to say that I I didn't like how they they played the parts. I thought the actors absolutely fine but it wasn't the type of thing that 
that, that kind of gets me hooked and invested. So it's quite clear <laughs> that in answer to the question, would I watch this again? It's going to be a no this week. Just just wasn't that interested. <laughs> I just, you know, there has to be something quite remarkable about a, a, a history film. Just anything that involves history, in order to win me over, but that's just me. Okay. Uh, well, well, should I keep this going a bit more? I, th I think it's just about time now. I think I've I've, I've done all right there. Tell me, internet, what film will I be talking about in next week's episode? Garden State, 2004. You pressed you, referring to me. That is incorrect. The correct answer is you. It is time for the six-minute shout-out, so let's spin that internet wheel. There it goes. It's going round. It's a really big wheel. It has a bit of everything from all over the internet, so that, it does take a, a while to slow down and stop. Okay. What is it? Oh, it has landed on a bunch of tweets that I'm going to read to you because, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Rather sad news. Uh, I I did. A few episodes ago, talk about how excited I was for the new series of Comedy Bang Bang. Um, it's season five. It, it began on IFC a few months back, um, and they they recently took their uh, mid-season break. Uh, the good news is they, um, they they have a date. I can't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> not very not very well prepared on that that uh, that front. But um, a, a date for the, uh, the the last ten episodes. Uh, but here's the bad news: those are going to be the very last ten episodes we will ever see. Yeah, the, the show is ending after five series, and so yeah, it it just seems it you know it, I, it's funny. I, I don't really talk about things that I'm, I'm going to miss or things that I do miss. Yeah, there, there have been a lot of people who have passed away this year, and I've kept quite, you know, kept quiet because, because you know, part of me feels like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really, really see what the point is in, um, verbally talking about, you know, unless you are deeply upset and you, you just feel like you, you, you can't contain that kind of grief. Um, so yeah, I. I know it seems a bit weird because th this isn't a person who has passed away, um, but uh, yeah, the reason that I, I want to talk about it is because, you know, th th this this is um, something that I you know, I did talk about previously, and I, I was, you know, getting getting quite enthusiastic about it. So I'm, I'm just going to read some tweets with the hashtag CBBTV. Sad to hear it leave the air this year, but I can't wait for the gritty but nostalgic Comedy Bang Bang reboot in the 2020s. I would sometimes, brackets constantly, dream 
that I would graduate from writing comedy bang bang tweets to writing for this show. I'll probably say this again at the end of the season, but comedy bang bang brought me so much joy over the years. Thanks, guys. I love Comedy Bang Bang so much and I tried to put as much of that love as I could into this piece. That That's one of the AV Club articles that was from Eric Adams, by the way. Fans of Comedy Bang Bang, listen to the podcast, y'all. It's wonderful and it'll be a way to get your Comedy Bang Bang fix. Comedy Bang Bang now chiselled into TV history alongside the Pythons, the Kids, the SNLs, the Bushes. Thank you, Scott Ockerman. What's the point of my television if Comedy Bang Bang won't be on it anymore? This is insufferable. Hope to see you in another gig soon. At least Comedy Bang Bang went out with a bang. With Weird Al Yankovic as co-host. I found Comedy Bang Bang in a weird time in my life. And it became an important part of my life. Comedy Bang Bang will be sorely missed. New no-no, when Comedy Bang Bang announces its ending... You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to respect Scott Ockerman's decision. That'll show him. Oh man, Comedy Bang Bang was better than we deserved. Hopefully I get famous real quick so I, I can still be a guest before it ends. And finally, I'll just read one of Weird Al Yankovic's tweets. Huge thanks to Scott Ockerman and everybody in the amazing Comedy Bang Bang family. Truly the most fun day job I've ever had. See you at the reunion. So yeah, um, I just felt that it, it, it was this was something that um, was worth uh, having as the six-minute shout-out this week because, like a lot of those people, this show did bring me a, a lot of joy. You can check it out on Netflix. If you're in the UK, I think they've got the first four se- no, first three seasons. Uh, season four should should hopefully turn up on Netflix at some point, and then um, season five. So yeah, um, and I, I suppose there there, there are, you know, it, it, one thing I will say is that um, it, apparently it, it looks like the, the, the Scott and the people behind the show are, are quite satisfied with this ending because um, no, no one's said anything about it being cancelled. I think this might have been their decision. Um, and also, they got past 100 episodes. I, I, I recently saw the 100th episode, and it's quite pleasing to see a little show like that because you know, it, it's kind of a humble sketch show in a way. Um, it, it could have been something much bigger, but I think I'm going to respect their decision <laughs> as well yeah so uh thanks a lot scott and everybody else reggie cuddy al you guys were fantastic and thanks for all the laughs damn you shocktopus hi we're here on the street asking people about the fump excuse me sir do you know what the fump is the what the fump f-u-m-p Oh, I don't know, uh, but it doesn't sound appetizing. I don't want any. Isn't that the sound a groundhog makes when you run over it with your car? Uh, no. Can you tell me what the fump is? Is it the enemy in the next Spider-Man movie? I don't think so. 
A clean-burning car that runs on pancakes? What? Isn't that the stuff the nutty professor invented? No, that's flubber. The thump. What is the thump? Ooh, it's a dog. I think it's half Great Dane, half Chihuahua. Is that even possible? Sounds like something you get from a cheap hooker. Oh, come on, no. Doesn't anyone around here know what the thump is? I do, but I'm a paid announcer with a script in front of me that explains it. Fine, fine. Go do your thing. The Fump is the Funny Music Project. It's a website where comedy musicians post funny songs and parodies. New songs are uploaded every Tuesday and Friday. The songs are available for free download from thefump.com or automatically via our podcast feed. The Fump features some of the biggest names in comedy music from the Dr. Demento Show, including the great Luke Ski, Robert London Spav, Devo Spice, Worm Quartet, Rob Balder, Possible Oscar, Tom Smith, Raymond and Scum, Power Salad, Bob Ricci, Carla Ulbricht, Steve Goody, Paul and Storm, and Jonathan Colton. High-quality downloads and compilation CDs are also available. Find us at www.thefump.com or look us up on iTunes. And for behind-the-scenes discussions on the songs posted to The Fump, listen to the Funny Music Podcast. Thank you. See, people, was that so hard? So it is something you get from a cheap hooker. Look, the one I was with last Friday sold me a copy of the Volume 10 compilation CD. Ugh, I quit. I'm going home. The Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fump. It's not something you get from a cheap hooker, usually. Here's a, a subject that uh, I have brought up a few times in the past. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get on to talking about it uh, once I've, I've got past the um, password security bit. Because yeah, uh, drawing backgrounds, that's something that I've, I've talked about, you know, and I've, I've said how I do get very lazy and a lot of my webcomics and, and even a lot of the comics that I've had printed um have little to nothing going on in the background um and i i I can i I sometimes pretend that it's just you know stylized um and i've I've come across that there's a recent um yeah uh post on the uh the in the news archive on the duckwebcomics.com and I've been submitting my work to this site for a few years. So, yeah, um, I, I will get onto that soon. Mustn't forget, though, every week I, I like to give an update on password security. Uh, basically, my accounts are definitely more secure than they were a few weeks back. I'm 
keeping on top of things. Yesterday, I went through a lot of the, um, the the online accounts that I've got and created new passwords. In fact, I said this before, they're not passwords, they're passcodes. You have to be cryptic, you have to put something in that's indecipherable. Because um, for most of my accounts, what I'm doing is I'm typing in things that are so complicated that not even I'm that likely to remember them, which means I do have to reset my password occasionally, but that's fine because I need to update them anyway, and this is only going to be something that I have to do from time to time. Um, I have found that because my Apple ID um, is... Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of letting some of my secrets out here, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be as secure as I can with that one. But because I have to keep re-logging in when I'm using things like <clears throat> when I'm using things like FaceTime and uh, accessing downloads from iBooks or whatever, yeah, I, um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make sure that that's one that I can remember, that, that, that's still very unlikely that you know, people will hack into it. So yeah, um, that, that seems to be tempting fate, but <laughs> basically I'm trying to make sure that I do not forget the codes that I'm coming up with for the Apple ID. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm trying to be creative with that, I'm getting used to coming up with jumbled up, garbled nonsense that nobody will be able to figure out. Lowercase, uppercase, numbers, symbols, every, the whole shebang. Yeah, uh, so that's the latest on that, and I've been having a few thoughts, come up with a, a few new ideas on how I can be extra secure online. Um, but you don't want to hear about any of that, really. <laughs> I'm mainly doing this for my own benefit, so that I, it doesn't become another thing that I say I'm going to do and then forget. Now, now that I've said it on here, I know that I'm definitely going to stick to it. Right, so here's the, uh, the article about backgrounds. This is from the, the Duck Web Comics. Earlier this week, I completed the prologue for my new comic. It has, it's been several years since I completed a full issue of a comic, and I'm putting in a conscious effort to improve on something that I've been lazy about in the past. Backgrounds. With earlier comics, I generally relied on a few pre-drawn backgrounds as much as possible, but the results were never great. When I did put in the effort, I was never all that pleased with the results. I'm trying a few new things this time around, but uh, most importantly, I try to remember that the background exists without my character in it. If I take them out of the picture, just keeping in mind a, a vague idea of what they are for purpose or perspective, I can look at the background as a composition of its own, and it seems to come together more naturally. When I'm drawing around a character, the background tends to, to be a bit pie piecemeal. I've not come across that word before. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you pronounce that. Trees only exist when the character isn't in front of them, so why bother figuring out where they would be? Working on, working in this way, my perspectives tend to get skewed and things don't look quite natural. My other new approach is allowing myself to be looser with the background than with the foreground, allowing colours, which I enjoy, to play a larger role than inks, which I, I struggle with. I think some of those thing, things that, that has made this part of the process 
uh, frustrating for me in the past was putting a lot of effort into little details in the background while still being displeased with the overall result, allowing the inking in particular to be less precise than it is for the foreground is for the foreground speed things up at least in my case um, seems to look better anyways when I, I look at my favorite comics in terms of art though I suspect that their creators approach each panel or even each page as a holistic composition rather than thinking in terms of foreground and background I find that really difficult but maybe it's something I'll be able to do with practice. In, gen uh, in general, I'm still finding backgrounds more tedious than foregrounds or characters, but my hope is that as I continue to work at it, composing backgrounds will become a more natural part of the process. Right, um, that's pretty much... Well, that, that, um, that, that was posted by Hippie Van on the 18th of August 2016 um, over at the uh, the Duck Web Comics. Great website, I do recommend checking it out. Um, yeah, and I, I suppose when I draw comics, I'm, I'm, I'm constructing the panels and uh, I, I need to make sure that I do the foreground first. I suppose this is the, the typical thing that pretty much every artist finds. Because you, you get a better idea of what would go in the background, what kind, what kind of environment or what kind of angle everything is um, set to uh, when you've got everything in the foreground um, as, as you... As, when when that stage is completed, um, it becomes more obvious uh, what you're going to have to do for a background. But yeah, equally, um, you don't want a background to be too interchangeable. Uh, it won't look natural if, if if it's literally just cut and paste. You know, you have to concentrate on on kind of how it blends with the, the foreground. But if it blends too much, yeah, you, you could end up. Um, Making everything because I I find that um, this this is why a lot of people use bold outlines for foreground stuff and thinner outlines. That that's a little method that works for, for specific styles in which um, you know, like outlines can be thicker on certain objects, uh, and it does make things stand out. So the, so things that need to stand out in the foreground uh, that works. But again, it is is kind of a style thing. And yeah, I um, I, I mentioned before how I I played around with some things like uh, kind of adding more and more of a kind of paler look to everything that's in the background, so that it it it, it kind of works. It, it's it still seems relevant, um, but it it means that what's going on in the foreground can be seen. You know, there's a bit more focus to it. I suppose uh, with Photoshop, you can really take advantage of layered items. You can, you can have a layer for the, the background, and you can add like a soft focus filter if you want the background to be out of focus. And things like that, they make all the difference. But yeah, it's finding the right balance, really. 
the key word here is natural. Um, and I'm finding with uh, this, this new comic that I'm working on that I'm not, I'm not quite so lazy with backgrounds if I allow myself a little bit more time. And when I say a little bit more time, I'm thinking that's probably something to experiment with because hopefully it's not going to be that much more because I don't want it to take twice as long to, to get all the drawings in place. But I'm also, I try to be creative because being creative is fun and it also means you, know, you don't feel obligated to do things the really tricky, hard, difficult way. I'm reporting you all to, well, I don't know who I'm reporting you to, but it's going to be some pony important. Well, the time has very nearly come for me to send you all on your merry way once again. Uh, and before, before we get onto that, get onto wrapping things up, I'm just going to uh, bring this up. Yeah, um, Comedy Bang Bang UK tour. This is something which I've looked at and I'm probably not going to be able to make it myself. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to be busy because um, because the, the the closest one to me is uh, the O2 Shepherd's Bush Empire. This is on Wednesday, the 28th of September. Um, I was thinking about going to that one, but it, it's a work night, so for me that that's kind of a, a no go. But yeah, um, the other dates are Sunday, the 25th of September at. The Dance House, Manchester. Uh, Monday the 26th of September at the Glee Club, Nottingham. And uh, Tuesday the 27th of, of September at the Hyde Park Picture House, Leeds. So this is going to be one of their live podcasts. Uh, it, it's going to be... Uh, Scott is going to be joined by Paul F. Tompkins and Lauren Lampkiss. So yeah, if you're a fan of the podcast, or if if you like very surreal, character-based interview humour, then uh, check that out. Uh, but now I'm just going to do the usual bit of housekeeping. Um, there's the Comic Book Club. Uh, every, every third Thursday of every month. Yeah, 7pm um, to 10pm at the Goblet's Wine Bar, Southampton. Uh, you can find more information over on Facebook if you just look up Comic Book Club Southampton on there. They they have a page. Check them out. Um, my website is www.belugatoons.com B-E-L-U-G-A-T-O-O-N-S There's also belugatoons.redbubble.com I am at belugatoons on Twitter and there's also at belugatoonspod for podcast-specific tweets. Uh, and finally, this podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, and Deezer. So yeah, there, there are plenty of platforms there for you to choose from. So that's it. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And bye-bye.